Well, uh, it was a day uh, just after a church service like this in 2018 at the church that Laura and I were serving outside of London in the United Kingdom when a lovely older lady called Barbara walked up the middle aisle and came to see me. And she said, Ben, I don't normally do this. It's far outside of my comfort zone. But as I've been praying for you, I just hear these words which I feel I need to share with you. I feel that you need to bloom where you're planted. Um, and I put my best like pastor's face on, I smiled, and inwardly I was completely blank. Like, I have nothing. <laughs> I don't know what that means, I'm not a gardener, I don't know what I should do with it. But I filed it in the back of my mind. It was about the same time that Laura and I were, were really searching high and low across the whole world for where God might be calling us to serve next. We knew that some change was coming, we just didn't even know what continent it was going to be on, let alone anything else. We'd also just got back from our first ever trip to LA. We'd been on the west side talking to Gare Jones, who's the pastor of Vintage Church Santa Monica and head of the network, talking about how maybe Laura and I might come to live on the west side of LA to look after one of their churches and maybe think about planting some more vintage churches over the years to come. And we were confused, to be honest. We didn't know whether we were up nor down. We didn't know what to do. And so we just kept praying. And over the, the weeks that followed in fall 2018, we eventually got to a point where we had some doors closed and we felt like we needed to say to Gare, okay, we'll come to the west side of LA, even though we don't know what we're doing. And so we let our church in England know. We started packing up our house and then on the 1st of December 2018, I, I got an email from that same lovely lady, Barbara. And it said this, Ben, I know you're moving to the west side of LA, but just so you know, I'm in Pasadena, California, visiting my son and my, son and my daughter-in-law at the moment. And I was just walking through the middle of the city and right there on the side of a building in the center of the city, it says, bloom where you're planted. Do you think there's any chance at all that the Lord might have something to say to you about Pasadena? Now, what Barbara didn't know was that when Laura and I had come to LA that summer, I had spent literally two hours in Pasadena hearing the stories of Alpha and people who had started attending Vintage and come to faith. What she didn't know and what I didn't know was that exact same day and week there were meetings between Vintage and the people in Pasadena saying, we need to plant a church, we just don't have a pastor. And so I sent a sheepish email to Gare and said, hey, just so you know, this is what someone shared. And he phoned me back on December the 23rd of 2018 sounding a little bit apologetic for phoning just as we were getting ready for our Christmas services, saying, hey Ben, what do you think? Do you think God might be calling you to Pasadena? And if so, we want to say we're right behind you going straight there. And so as he said those words, something, something shifted in my heart. Something which to that point had been obedience and fear and just, okay, we'll go to LA even though we don't know anything, into, wow, God is at work. And sure enough, we got off the plane, Laura and I, on March the 1st, 2019, and it took us about five milliseconds to realize, oh my goodness, God has been preparing something for a very long time. Now, I share that story with you for a bunch of reasons, but the main one being is that it all began with a lovely lady called Barbara, 
who was brave enough to walk up the middle of a church and share four words with me. Barbara came to the pre, last ever pre-launch night before Vintage launched in 2020, and she came back again this last summer with her husband. And we sat in tears, marveling at the fact that God would bother to reroute a whole couple and a family and start a church based on four small words, which sounded like they made no sense to anybody at the time. We're hoping to get Barbara back here soon so that she can see the fruit of those four words. I'm really grateful that in my life, people have been brave enough, bold enough to come up and say, Ben, I think the Lord has got something to say to you. And I'm hoping that this morning, some of you might be brave enough to say to someone around you, I think the Lord might be saying to you. We're in a series about the Holy Spirit, and over the last weeks I've been asking, like, how do you feel about speaking of the Holy Spirit? And some of you have been like running down the aisle, and you're like, Holy Spirit, give me a fire tunnel, like I'm all in, get out of the way. Just a few of you have just been a little bit more kind of like cautious, a little bit more, I'm in the room, but don't push me. Well, the bad news is, is that today I'm going to up the ante even further, because today we're not even going to just talk about the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about prophecy. And let's be honest, that probably raises some emotions in your heart as you hear that. We've lived through many years where prophecy has been part of our culture in the US and maybe not always in ways that everybody has fully understood. Do you remember back to the turn of the millennium and the prophecies that came around Y2K? Basically, if you weren't alive yet, it was that this was the end of everything and the world was going to end. And so we all got to our turn of millennium New Year's parties, and we basically thought two things could happen. The first one is that the Y2K bug was going to completely wipe out all electronic products in the world, and the world was going to get pitched into darkness. The other possibility was that everything was going to end. And so the clock ticked round to 12.01, and we looked round, and we realized we were all still here, and the lights were still on. Maybe you've heard prophecies about, you know, politics, about COVID not hitting the United States. Maybe you've heard them about the Pope or Russia. There's been endless prophecies, and it's left us, if I'm honest, sometimes in a state where we're confused, baffled. Nobody I have found can sum up maybe how we feel about prophecy better than the absolutely phenomenal Simpsons movie, which I watched this week. So I want to I show you this completely theologically brilliant clip from the start of the Simpsons movie. For the latest rock band to die in our town, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, Lord, I hate being late. Well, I hate going. Why can't I worship the Lord in my own way? By praying like hell on my deathbed. Oh, Mara, they can hear you inside. Relax. Those pious morons are too busy talking to their phony baloney god. How you doing? Peace be with you. Praise Jeebus. Now today I'd like to try something a little different. I'm going to call on one of you. Ah! Now the word of God dwells within everyone. I want you to let that word out. Let your spirit... Hottest sense of pride in our community. Somebody else, 
Let the Lord's light shine upon you. Feel the spirit. Let it out. Horrible, horrible things are going to happen. And they're going to happen to you, and you, and you, and you. Oh, Billy. People of Springfield, heed this warning. Twisted tail, a thousand eyes, trapped forever. Do something. This book doesn't have any answers. Beware, beware. Time is short. Epa, Epa, Epa. Don't hold me to anything you just saw. Um, but maybe that is sort of how we feel, maybe, about what prophecy gets portrayed, particularly like outside of the church. And because of that, we can end up wanting to steer very far from it because we get worried, we get nervous about what it might be. Well, what I want to do for the time we have this morning is show you that not only is that a quite narrow and maybe not entirely correct view of what prophecy is, but I also want to show you that if God has something to say, it's the most beautiful, wonderful, important thing that we learn to listen to what God has got to say. And so we're going to get our reading this morning, and Miles is going to come up, and uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4, starting at verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, then feel free to grab that. Uh, If not, it'll come up on the screen. John 4, beginning at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, as tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband, when you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replies, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. 
for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now come and has now come when the Father, sorry, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Thanks, Miles. So last week, I thought I might be able to get through the whole of our topic of the Holy Spirit in one week on how we hear God. I'm now thinking we might get to three or even four weeks. So let's see how we get on this morning. But the two questions that I I really want us to wrestle with is, why does God speak to us through other people? And if he does speak to us through other people, how do we know that it's really him and not some cheese that we ate last night or something else? So in order to start that, we need a working definition for what we mean by the prophetic gifts, by the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church in order to hear his voice and share it. And so my definition is very straightforward and very simple, and this is like 101 level, but this is what we're working with today. The prophetic gifts are literally this, hearing God for others. Prophecy at its simplest level is just this, hearing God for others. And it's something that's been happening throughout history, from the prophets in the Old Testament, right the way through to Jesus, as we've just seen this beautiful encounter where something completely unknown is revealed through Jesus to a woman. Right the way through into the New Testament of the Bible, where the early church seems to have these moments when it uncannily can sense something, know something, be directed by something which allows it to operate with a power that it wouldn't normally have. So why does God speak to us in this way? Well, the answer of why God speaks to us is ultimately because he loves us, because he loves you so much. And when you love someone, you actually want to talk to them, believe it or not. You want to tell them how you feel. You want to help them make good decisions. You want to share your heart with them, not so that you can control them and coerce them, but actually so that you can help them. It's what a loving relationship is. And in the Bible, there are these two translations for word, the word of God. The first is logos, which many of you will know it. It comes up from Hebrews chapter four, and it describes the written word, scripture, the word of the Lord, we say when we're reading the Bible together. It also is used to describe in John chapter one, the living word. In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. But there's a second translation, which is from the word rima. And we translate it in our English translations the same, the word of the Lord. But it actually means something different. It doesn't mean scripture. It doesn't mean God in his person. It actually means this prophetic utterances, the given communication, the ongoing sense of God speaking into creation. One of the verses you might know in Matthew 4 says this, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every rima that comes from the mouth of God. Maybe you grew up hearing man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word of scripture, which is true. But it's more than that. 
Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every ongoing, prophetic, given communication that God wants to speak to his children. In Ephesians 5, that's why it says, live, live by the Spirit. Be alive because the Spirit is speaking to you. And God will often want to speak. He wants to speak to confirm the things that he's already said to you in the past. The things that you heard him say when you first became a Christian or in the Bible. Sometimes God will want to highlight to you things that you might have forgotten along the way. Sometimes to tell us the things that he's already doing all around us. Sometimes to encourage us. And sometimes to even guide us and prepare us for the things that are going to happen into the future. And it's really beautiful. My lovely wife, Laura, is actually here for once. She's not with the V Kids this morning. She actually gets to be here. Um, and next month is our 15-year wedding anniversary. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying it a lot just to remind myself, like, don't forget 15-year wedding anniversary next month. Um, <laughs> But 15 years ago, we stood in a church a little bit like this, and we stood opposite one another, and we made promises. We promised to love each other through thick and thin, through sickness and health, through richer, through poorer. We promised that we would always love one another. And it was beautiful. But imagine, you know, Laura might want to say to me from time to time, Ben, do you still love me? Now, I could respond, well, honey, of course I still love you. I wrote it down 15 years ago. What's your problem? Right? It's contractually bound. Like You don't even have to ask me because I've already told you that forever I'm going to love you. Why are you so needy? <laughs> I, that's not how it goes, by the way, because otherwise I'd be sleeping on the couch. Um, Laura has every right to know if I still feel the way that I, I said I did 15 years ago. And because I love her, I do, believe it or not, occasionally say to her, Laura, I really love you. And I love all that it's about who you are. And it's the same with God. When you became a Christian, God said some things about you in Scripture that are eternally true. They're written down. They're so important. They're in the Bible. But God wants you to know in your heart that those things are really true about you. He wants them to not just be in your head. He wants them to be deep inside who you are. And that's why God will always speak to us in our messes, in our failures, in our complete imperfection. God will want to affirm you confirm those things he said. He will want to give you direction. And it shouldn't surprise us in a way that God chooses, sometimes he'll do it directly to you. We talked about it last week. Sometimes you could be in a time of worship where Tom and Ben are leading us and you're totally lost in wonder and you feel like God is meeting with you directly. And we love it. Sometimes it can be on a mountaintop. But more than often, what God will want to do is speak through one of us to another. And that shouldn't surprise us too much because that's exactly how God designed the church to work. If you think about how Jesus talked about the sick, he didn't say, when you're sick, go pray to God and he'll heal you, even though he's perfectly capable of doing that. What does he say? When you're sick, gather the church around you, get them to lay hands on you and pray that the Lord would heal you. So often when people are without money, without resource, you know, God could just like shower some gold bars out of the sky, but often he doesn't. What he does is he prompts someone else in the church to notice that there's a need, to rise up something in their spirit that they would provide for the needs of somebody else. 
That's how God designed the church to work, that he would use each other to minister to one another. That's how Jesus did it with his disciples. He didn't say, stand back and watch, boys. This is what I'm about to do. No, he said, you get to play. You get to be my mouthpiece. You get to be full of the Spirit too so that you can minister to one another. I love what Andrew Wilson, the theologian, says. He says, we need to be quite clear. Christians hear from God. We worship a God who speaks. From the third verse of Genesis to the penultimate verse of Revelation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We are sons and daughters of a living God, of a living Father who wants a relationship with his children. We are the temple in which he lives and makes himself known. We are the sheep of our great shepherd who knows their master's voice. We are a body in which people prophesy, they speak words of wisdom and knowledge, and they use their spiritual gifts to edify each other. We are those from whom God has spoken in these last days through his son. And I love that. I love it. But even though maybe, like me, you feel totally inadequate, totally broken, totally like you should not be able to bring God's blessing to other people, that God will do that. It's exactly like he does in the passage, where a word of truth, a word of blessing, a word of encouragement can bring complete transformation to someone's life. Notice this passage today. Here is a woman, the lowest rung, because she's a Samaritan woman in that culture, and yet the Holy Spirit speaks through Jesus to her and brings complete transformation. She says, I've got no husband. And Jesus replies, yeah, I know. The Holy Spirit highlighted to me, the fact is you've had five husbands, and the person you're living with isn't even your husband. What you said is true. The truth of the Holy Spirit can bring transformation into our lives. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, do not quench the Spirit. Don't. Don't put your barriers up to the Holy Spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. So don't turn off prophecies, even if you think they're weird and strange and something to do with the Simpsons. Don't. Test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So even if we feel really weird about prophecy because of some of the things we've seen, Paul's command to us is don't give up. Don't reject it, but test it to see if it's good. You know, when community goes wrong, we don't go, okay, no more community, we're going to be on our own. When teaching in a church goes wrong, we don't go, okay, no more teaching in church. When worship in church goes wrong, we don't go, no more worship. And when prophecy goes wrong in church, we need to be careful not to say, well, no more prophecy. What we need to do is to say, is it of the Lord? And I'm so glad, you know, that, that people have been brave enough around me to continue, even in their seeming brokenness, to push in. And I wanted to share another prophetic word that Laura and I received when we, we did move to LA in 2020. We got off the plane on the 1st of March. And a couple of months later, we went to our first conference. It was a vintage network conference, all the, the vintage churches together. And at the very end of the very last session, a, a guy called Sean Bowles came to speak. And some of you may have heard him speak before. He's a pastor in Glendale. Um, and he has an amazing prophetic gift. And we're going to play you the recording of uh, what his uh, prayer ministry time sounded like. I hope you'll be able to hear it okay. Okay. 
names. I'm just going to try this. I, I felt like there might be a Benjamin and a Laura or Lori. Does that make sense to anybody? Is that you guys? Well, hi. I looked at Garrett and I was like, he's like, mm-hmm. Couldn't get a signal from him. It worked. Um, where are you from? Why? You guys are just good at attracting <laughs> UK people. It's great to actually be here. Do you live in LA? Yeah, we've been here Oh, good. So you're new here. Um, I just had your name, so I'm trying. I'm waiting on Holy Spirit now because I just all I had was there would be you guys. So um, I'm so glad you're real. Uh, you know, I, I will say this is just someone in LA. Thank you for risking to come here and plant here. And I feel like God's showing me that uh, you could have done a lot of things and you chose to hear. You chose to listen to God. He's honoring that place of voice today. And I feel like uh, not only did you come to hear, but you came to help plant. And there's a multiplication on vintage. And you guys came to help plant something. Is that true? And um, I keep seeing our area. We're in Glendale, Pasadena area. Is there something over there? Pasadena. So I feel like God's saying that he's like, you need a word like this, not because you don't believe because you already believe, but he wants to give the word to the community that he sent you and that there's an expansion going on over vintage and that there's team. And uh, the encouraging thing for you guys as a movement is that God's sending people and transferring their full equity of all their history in God to you. Like these guys have paid a price and they've grown in things that you didn't have to raise that up, that you're getting really mature mothers and fathers. And I just felt like God said to welcome you in as a mother and a father and to the city, not just to vintage, but to the city. And I feel like the Lord is saying that over the next, and this is the prophecy part, over the next six months, that you're going to meet a lot of owners of stores and specifically restaurants. I feel like you're going to be out in the community. You're going to meet, you'll be there the days the owners are there. And you're going to just, it'll be a sign to you that God's actually planted you here to be a voice to fathers and mothers and influencers in the region of Pasadena and around Altadena, Glendale, that there's going to be something about a positional authority to understand the business community that's there and to be able to relate to them. And then I also felt like this would affect, I believe you have maybe a son and a daughter, and that this would affect their lives as well, that there's something that, because you made this choice, they need to see the fruit of this kind of choice because it's such a radical choice to move here. They needed to see it, are they pretty young? And they need to see at a young age that, like the fruit of faith. And this is going to, you, you need to know that the root you put into your children's life by saying yes to God in this season will be with them forever in their own faith journey. So bless you guys. Bless you. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you, that was a bit overwhelming. <laughs> We've been here for two months. We'd never met this guy before. And I sat there thinking, he's literally reading my mail. Like, how on earth does he know those things? How can they possibly know how we feel about our children? But I was reminded this week, because this is three years on from that, that one of the things he said is that Vintage Pasadena, if you heard it, is going to have positional authority in the business community of Pasadena. Now, I just heard that, like I'd forgotten that. But I was just thinking this week, gosh, if God wanted to church to have positional authority in the business community of Pasadena, where might he put a church physically on the ground in Pasadena to do that? Oh, maybe here, right? It's astonishing that God gave that word three years ago and we're still beginning to see it. 
Now, you might listen to those words, and I certainly do, and go, oh my goodness, like I don't even know how to comprehend them. Like they're too big. Or Jesus having this incredible prophetic insight for this woman to know exactly her whole history about how many people she'd been married to and who she was living with. And when we see these big prophecies, we can get a little bit overwhelmed because we can think, oh, this is not for me. Like when I pray for somebody, I'll be lucky if I get a picture of a waterfall or a butterfly. Like that's, that's my level of prophecy. But I want to encourage you, and I'm going to cut my talk a little bit short in a minute and come back to it next week. But I want to encourage you that you can hear from the Lord. And that it's actually really important that you do seek out these spiritual gifts as you're called to in the Bible. The Bible says, seek earnestly these kind of spiritual gifts, particularly prophecy. Why? Because Paul says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comforting. It encourages the church when we prophesy to each other. The woman at the well, even though she receives quite, is quite a difficult prophecy, let's be honest, it opens her eyes to some things that are true about her that she needs to deal with, goes away jubilant because she realizes that God has spoken into her life. As the, as the, uh, uh, the theologian McLaren says, she is frivolous, ready to talk with strangers, with a tongue quick to turn grave things into jokes, and yet she possesses, hidden beneath masses of unclean vanities, a conscience and a yearning for something better than she has. And do you know what? That's me too. That in my life, in your life, maybe you too have that yearning that God would speak to you. That you have that yearning for something better. And the beautiful thing is that you might be not only the recipient of that word, but God might also want to use you to encourage something else. You know, when you see a picture of a butterfly when you're praying for someone and you think, I can't, that's just silly. Or you see a picture of a waterfall and you think that makes no sense to anything, then actually what you're, you're doing is you're shutting off the very flow of God's voice to that person. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say something like this, well, I've got some waterfall. And someone says, well, that may sound stupid to you, but yesterday I was out and I thought life was over and I didn't think God cared anymore. And so I just went and sat by a waterfall and I cried. You have no idea what that word, what that little image, because words can come in different ways. It could be just a Bible verse that comes. It could be a picture. It could be a thought. It could be something that just wells up inside you. It could even be a pain. But you don't know what that might bring to be encouragement to another person. And so just quickly, with two final minutes, what might we do? How might we approach it if you're in prayer? You think God has got something to say to someone around you. Okay, this is the safety mark, just so that you don't end up like the Simpsons. Okay, ready? Number one, A, is uh, this, uh, is, sorry, hold on a minute, let me get my notes correctly. Uh, is it affirming? 1 Corinthians 14.3, the one who possesses prophecy speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. Doesn't mean it's always nice, but it does mean that the other person is supposed to be blessed by what you said. I have heard too many prophecies in my life which have basically been something like this. You are in a pit of despair. You're in a dark tunnel walking down a dark corridor and there's clouds all around. <laughs> Thus says the Lord. 
That is useless. Don't do that. That's not, no one is going to go away affirmed and encouraged. Even if it's a little bit tough, it should always be something that builds up the other person. B, is it biblical? So important, right? And I don't mean, is it just from the Bible? Because, because some prophecies, people will pull something out of the Old Testament, something out of the New Testament, they'll add two and two together, they'll get 97 and tell you that the world's finishing tomorrow. That's not a biblical prophecy. That's not what the biblical prophecies are about. A biblical prophecy is usually not even about the future. It's about bringing God's truth now. It's about reminding you of something that God already said to be true. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage today, right? But biblical means, is it in line with everything God has already said to be true? If you get a picture of your best friend murdering his wife, that's not one that you share so that they'll go and murder their wife because that's not what the Bible says about how you treat your wives, just in case you were wondering, just in case you came to church and you were wondering, right? Is it biblical? Is it in line with things that God already says to be true? And C, is it Christ-like? Is it the kind of things that Jesus would say to another human being? Because sometimes prophecy doesn't sound like Jesus, and if it doesn't sound like Jesus, it's probably not a prophecy. Does it sound, have the approach, does it have the humility and the beauty and the love contained in it which would have the words of Jesus for another person, right? You know, if, that's why when we're training our prayer ministry teams, the number one rule we teach them, when you're sharing a word, it has to sound like this. I might be wrong, but I think the Lord may be saying this to you. That's how English people speak, by the way. I might be wrong. I'm caveating it with everything because actually I want to be as humble, as gentle, as gracious, and as loving as I can. Why? Because the other person needs to weigh and test it. When you give a word that says, Tom, thus says the Lord unto thee, you've given the other person a nightmare because they've got nowhere to go. So is it Christ-like? Is it gentle? And is it humble. And so I've got a load more talk to give you, but I don't want to give it to you. <laughs> you have to come back next week. But what I do want to do is I actually want us to practice this for a few minutes. Is that okay? Now, you don't have to play if you don't want to, but I think God would love us to have a bit of time to, to enjoy and to play in his presence together. And so there's no pressure. No one's going to lay a hand and throw you on the floor. No one's going to like, do anything weird. But I'm just going to invite you where you are um, to stand if you want to. And I'm just going to lead us in a, in a little time of praying. Um, and as I said, I promise not to do anything too weird or any weirder than I normally am. But I, wanna, I want to dare to believe that maybe this morning God might want to speak to you. And he might even want to speak through a few of us to each other.